This is episode number 287. What is holding you back from creating your own story? With Victoria Evans. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to our upcoming weekly conversation that takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, hosted through LinkedIn Live and Facebook Live, where we explore the connection between one's personal narrative and the topics of grief, resilience, gratitude, appreciation, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please consider joining us on any given Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time or searching any of the previous conversations through our archive on YouTube by simply searching Overcoming Odds where you'll be able to find a complete directory of all the conversations that we've had to this particular point. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, or supporting our cause by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today. Now, let's get back to the show. Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Of course. I got to thank Billy Atwell as well for connecting the two of us. And it uh, sounds like your assistant who had reached out to us, you know, many, multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it just, it is what it is. But I'm grateful that we're able to connect previously. And then uh, hopefully we'll be able to connect in person as well when I'm in Lisbon in a couple of weeks. But I, I'm glad that we're able to connect today around this topic of, different ways to find healthy habits when it comes to your body, your eating. And I know that you do a lot of work in this space. And I, and I figured that the best way that maybe we can even start this dialogue to begin with is kind of taking it back down the memory lane of where you started and what really changed within your life that helped you recognize that, hey, my body is important. The food I'm consuming is important. What are some of the ways that I can do it? So maybe the best way to do that is if you could take us back as far back as you can remember and then take us through the transformation as far as what really changed or what needed to change in order for you to get to this particular point of your life. Yeah, so it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, I'm someone who really struggled with feeling like I didn't fit in my entire life, uh, whether it be with my body, like if I was tall, broader shoulders, a little bit larger body size. Um, I just felt super disconnected from the people in my life, from my friends, from my family, from everything. And I was really convinced that it was my body that was the problem. And that if I could just fix that, if I could just be skinnier and cuter and prettier, then everything would be great. And my life would be amazing and wonderful. And, you know, especially if you've been socialized as a woman, that's definitely the case. You look in magazines and on billboards and everything. And, you know, you're really just sold this idea that the after photo is when you're happy and things are great in your life. And so 
I kind of really had this image that I was trying to become from a very young age, thinking that was kind of the end all be all as it were. Um, and then around age 12, 13, I started to really struggle with depression and anxiety. And again, this idea that if I was just in a different size body and I just ate more perfectly and I ate cleaner and was better on my diets, um, you know, then things would be amazing. And so kind of carried that kind of idea through and and really struggling with depression. And at the time I thought that I just needed to be more perfect, mm. not understanding that, you know, it's the seeking of perfection that drives disconnection. But for me, I thought it was kind of, you know, if I'm perfect, then people will like me. So I was trying to eat perfectly. I was trying to look perfect and, you know, becoming increasingly unhappy and unhealthy. And this continued to kind of escalate, you know, age 16, my depression was at all time high, tried to take my own life, my 16th birthday. And I was just so unhappy. I was so disconnected from myself, from my body, struggling on all these different diets, telling myself I had to do all these crazy exercises. And, you know, that went up until age 21 is when it really started to escalate. I struggled with anorexia, bulimia, exercise addiction, you know, my amenorrhea, you know, like my hair was falling out. I lost my period. I was so skinny. Mm. And I had this moment where I'd run 30 kilometers up a mountain at 6 a.m., because I'd had an extra handful of trail mix and that seemed like an adequate punishment for me at the time. And I remember getting to the top of the mountain in Montreal and having this moment where I was just like, you know, there's never going to be enough weight loss where I'm going to be happy. It's never going to be enough where I'm going to be fulfilled because I was in the body that I'd always dreamed of. I had the abs and the cut shoulders and everything I'd always thought I'd wanted since I was a little girl. And it was this really earth shattering moment where I was like, maybe this is not it. You know, maybe my body isn't the solution because it was never the problem. And so this kind of really kicked off this recovery journey for multiple eating disorders and really having to recontextualize what it meant to feel alive, what it meant to be human, what it meant to actually achieve my dreams and my goals. Because up until that moment, my entire life objective was to look a certain way. And there I was looking that way. And, you know, I'd never been more empty and more unhappy in my life. What have you discovered then over time as far as what happiness looks like? Happiness is an inside job. And a lot of us think it's an, you know, an external achievement. And so when people have the goals of like, I want to have a certain body size, right? What they're actually saying is I want to feel loved and I want to feel connected and I want to feel valued and I want to feel good mm -hmm. enough, right? And if we have the goal of, you know, I want to have a million dollars, what is the feeling behind that goal? Because that's usually where the happiness is. Maybe that's abundance. Maybe that is freedom. That doesn't necessarily have to come from, you know, achieving some kind of an external thing, but rather how can you recreate that feeling for yourself, which usually then comes to happiness. Um, but oftentimes we associate it with achieving a goal and it's not actually the goal that it'll come with. It's the feelings inside yourself. So it's turning inward, you know, asking yourself, what does that actually represent? Why do I want to do that? And also understanding, I think one of the biggest things around happiness is that it requires the contrast of life, right? We often always think that, you know, I have to be happy all the time. There's very much like a good vibes only, cool movement kind of going on. And, you know, if it's always sunny, we don't appreciate the sun. It's normal to feel sad. It's normal to feel upset. That's a part of the human experience. And it's a contrast of it, right? We have to have that full range and for much of my life and many people, we numb out from the negative with the food or the alcohol or the social media yeah. telling ourselves, I shouldn't feel this way. There's so much 
you know, judgment and shame around feeling negative emotions. So we try to avoid them. But when we numb from the negative, we then numb from the positive and we lived in this very limited range, never feeling like we're truly alive. And then often grasping at these, you know, external goals, trying to fill ourselves up, but then getting there and never actually being happy. And it just kind of restarts the process. Yeah. I'm glad that you bring that up because I've definitely experienced similar similar things like that in my life. In fact, it wasn't until three to four years ago, maybe five five years ago, I came across a handful of people who helped me understand that it's okay to embrace both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. the positive and the negative. Because previous to that, I was, as you described, positive vibes only. Don't talk to me if you're feeling X, Y, and Z way. And and I realized it's just like it's a very high expectation to have not only for other people and circumstances, but also for my own life, mm-hmm. understanding that somehow I'm always going to be positive. Just It's just not realistic. I mean, some days I wake up on the quote unquote right side of the bed. Sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Mm-hmm. And there's so many factors that I think influence it. So I'm glad that you bring that up. And I'm, and I'm really curious to hear your perspective on this because I know you do a lot of work in this space, but in having the ability to embrace both the negative and the positive aspects of life, what have you learned about yourself as far as where did that lead you? Did that lead to greater acceptance? Did that lead to elements of forgiveness where you were able to forgive yourself for you know, making mistakes in life or getting in situations where you might look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely shifted my entire way to perceive the world because up until that point, I was getting so upset with myself whenever I felt negative emotions and it would spiral. So it wasn't like I was like kind of sad. It was like, well, I'm sad. So like, you know, level 100 sad and depressed and like in a cave because there was so much judgment and shame of it. And so through the embracing and knowing like it's a part of the human experience, it not only allowed so much compassion for myself and understanding to really have a bird's eye view of my life and situations instead of, you know, getting mad at myself, kind of taking a step back and understanding Mm -hmm. what was going on there. What can I learn from that? But furthermore, like one of the biggest things that it's allowed me to do is have complete freedom to try and do anything I want in life, because I'm no longer afraid of how I'm going to feel about myself if I don't, if it doesn't work, if I fail, if I mess up, if I embarrass myself. If I'm not afraid of my negative emotions and I know that they're normal, there's literally nothing you can't do because you're no longer afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone's afraid of fear and what people are thinking. But if you're able to, you know, process those emotions, if you're able to look at them and understand them and look at emotions as messages instead of as things that are, you know, something wrong with us, learning from them, understanding yourself better, yeah, your whole world opens up. You know, I ended up quitting my corporate job that. I was doing and I moved to Bali for two and a half years and then now I'm living in Portugal and like I know you're coming here soon Mm -hmm. and it's your whole entire world opens up to you when you're no longer afraid of your own feelings Mm. what did you find so two things that come to mind the first one is in regard to this concept of failure how do you view failure nowadays failure is something I says I was so afraid of failure before so I wouldn't even try that was a thing. Failure keeps you small, it keeps you stuck, keeps you stagnant. My relationship with failure now is proud of myself for going for it. And I don't see anything as really a failure. I saw it as a try. Like I tried it. I went for it. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more than a lot of people can say in life. And so I'm so 
clear with my expectations around how I will speak to myself regardless of the outcome. I don't place my expectation or my thoughts about myself on whether or not I succeeded, but whether or not I actually tried. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when we're kind of able to have that little mental shift, and even for me, I used to get, you know, make fun of people who'd be like positive self-talk, <laughs> but it's, you know, now I know like I'm a science-based, right. It's like, it works. And I'm a, so I'm a science-based intuitive eating coach. So I really look at kind of the neuroscience behind, you know, our eating behaviors, how we perceive our body, emotional intelligence, everything. And for me to understand, like even just giving yourself those little moments of positive praise, it actually gives you little hits of dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter for the anticipation of reward, and it's involved in habit formation. You know, it gives you energy versus things like cortisol, adrenaline. So when we're shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up, that's not renewable. That's actually going to burn you out. So if you're trying to achieve something and you're telling yourself along the way, I'm not doing good enough, I'm failing, I'm messing up, I'm a loser you're going to get nowhere really fast. You're going to burn yourself out completely. But if you're praising yourself or taking small action steps towards your goals, taking small action steps and getting, you know, being proud of yourself for taking those steps, whatever those like small things might be. And that's another thing is when we try to go for something, we take massive steps and then get mad at ourselves and beat ourselves up understanding it's the micro steps that, you know, incrementally build over time, but it's praising yourself for those little mini steps. The positive self-talk leads to positive action. Negative self-talk leads to negative action. And just being so cognizant of that when you're going for goals. And if you failed, you didn't actually fail. You tried what you learn and just being okay with the fact that you, you you went for it. And that's more than a lot of people will do. Yeah. I'm glad that you bring that point up as well, because I, so I I have a friend of mine, it's, it's become kind of a a joke at this point, but it wasn't so funny back then. She had, um, she had a very challenging time with her self-talk. And so Mm -hmm. every time with that, I I would be speaking with her and she was on the road, man, it's, to me, it was a comedy show, but maybe to some of the drivers, it might not have been. She would use every word in the book, you know, to describe every possible driver that, yeah. quote unquote, cut her off or wasn't going to, uh, was going too slow. So there are just so many scenarios. And I found that through that experience of being able to observe her, two things were happening. A, I was understanding my own self-talk and B, I was partially becoming elements of her self-talk. Mm-hmm. And so because to her and she even acknowledged this herself that it was negative self-talk that she was experiencing and having a hard time breaking through it i was becoming a byproduct of the circumstances and and i'm glad that you bring up the whole thing about habit formation as well because i know for many many years i would write all of these goals and aspirations and i would check try to tackle all eight at the same time Mm -hmm. literally telling myself okay tomorrow morning 7 a.m here's a spreadsheet. I'm going to go check, 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 check. The reality of the matter is I would wake up, I'll get through the first two or three and I'm like, okay, I'm over this. I'll start tomorrow. But the problem with tomorrow is tomorrow is a never ending story. Mm -hmm. Is that there's always tomorrow. Then there's tomorrow, the following week, the following month, the following year. And what I have found that what has helped me in order to develop some of these smaller habits is the actual conversation I had with another person who was a guest on this show. And he had mentioned this concept that every day could be your January 1st moment. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be January 1st. Tomorrow could be your January 1st. So then the question becomes, how can you recreate the feelings that January 1st carries on any given day at any given moment? And that's mm-hmm. where I think there's 
a lot of value in what you just shared as far as breaking it down into tiny increments, tiny habitual patterns instead of this grand gesture, which I think, and I'd be curious to hear your perspective on this because you have traveled to quite a few different places. Do you think that's cultural? Do you think it's cultural to be want to a accomplish all at once or have these like grand gestures, grand actions to take in life in order for certain things to work? Like, is that simply US, Canada, some other countries? Because mm -hmm. it sounds like places like Southeast Asia are very different when it comes to habit forming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, such a great point. And I mean, I can only speak my own, my own personal experience when it comes to where I've lived and traveled to. I would say predominantly it does seem to be a bit more of a Western culture. Um, so, you know, Canada, I'm from Canada, you're in the US. Um, so like even here in Europe, there's a bit more of a slower vibe, you know, the, there's less of a pushing and less of a forceful kind of like I have to achieve and maintain. Um, same thing when I was living in Bali, very chill vibes, you know, life is very kind of a slow pace there. And, you know, this very, and this is what I work with women on, especially is this perfectionist, you know, idea of achieving goals. It's very all or nothing. It's very black and white. There's no gray zone. So it's like, I either do this perfectly. I either eat perfectly today. It's so I wake up Monday morning. And if I have a cookie at three o'clock in the afternoon, and that's not what I was supposed to have, mm -hmm. then screw it. My day is already ruined. I might as well go all out, finish all the cookies. And then tomorrow I won't buy anymore. <laughs> right. So, and I know yeah. like, yeah, totally. Right. And it's this very perfectionist fantasy of all or nothing approach. And so when it comes to habit formation, you know, it's about building trust yourself and confidence with yourself. So a lot of the time we'll come out with, of the gate with like, I used to do this with like the Excel spreadsheets and they would be like color coded with like different about, like I was so there. So in that and not understanding, right. Our brain is a set of neural pathways. It hates changing habits because it requires burning more calories. It's very inefficient for our brain to create new habits. It's very efficient for it to fire on old pathways. And so your brain is going to be really frustrated because it's very lazy in terms of a conservation of calories. So when you're trying to make a new habit, if the expectation is tomorrow, I'm going to be a new person, right? Well, your brain is still hardwired to be the person you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. That's not saying you're never going to change, but it's going to mean that you're going to be, have to be consistently firing on new pathways over time to create new ones. So what I like to do with clients is really setting micro habits, right? So what is your macro goal? Is it to meditate every single day for 20 minutes? Okay. Well then this week, I want you to meditate for five minutes once. And some people are going to be like, oh, my perfectionist and like my perfectionism is like screaming at me. Like, I know I can do that. And that's the point. The point is to have it be so stupidly small that you know you can do it, right? It's like a minimum baseline. If you feel amazing on that day and you want to do 15 minutes, you go for it. Like you mm -hmm. do that. But the minimum baseline is going to be that five minutes, that micro habit. You're going to hit that. You're going to hit that every day or every week, once a week for five minutes or let's say a month. After a month, maybe we bump to twice a week for five minutes. And then a few weeks later, maybe we do three times or maybe we do, you know, twice a week for 10 minutes, whatever. Right. The point is not necessarily the actual achieving of the goal itself, but to build confidence in yourself, to actually show up for yourself and that goal, to trust yourself. And then over time, stacks incrementally. Right. So a lot of people will try to do is you're like, okay, tomorrow I'm a new person. I'm going to meditate, meditate 20 minutes tomorrow, the next day, the day after, and then they take a seven month break because they miss the fourth day. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to do these big, again, all or nothing, black and white. Let's slowly incremental build. And that's exactly, you know, what I do with clients is like really working. How can we leverage understanding? 
understanding our brain using these neural circuits. We can consistently fire on new pathways, but slowly, slowly over time to build them instead of all, you know, all or nothing, all at once, then losing trust and confidence with yourself. So is the point of making it incremental so that you can replace the old norm with the new norm, so to speak, so that when you do fall back, like let's say when you skip a day or -hmm. you miss a week or you miss a month, instead of of falling back to a habit that you had however many years ago or for however many years, you fall back to the time of five minutes, 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. 15 minutes. Is that the point? Totally. I mean, you can totally look at it that way. It's I mean, what fires together wires together. So the more you're firing on that pathway, the new that's going to be your new kind of default pathway, as it were. Um, if you're trying to go out these big, you know, I'm going to do 20 minutes a day of meditation, and then you miss a day, you're likely going to go right back to your zero a day. So it does create an easier kind of gray zone, as it were, between the black and the white that you can kind of hang out in. Um, and then also because you are feeling more confident in yourself because you've been showing up for yourself, it's easier for you to get back on track. Right. It's a lot easier for you to bring some compassion to it's more understanding because you've built that trust yourself. A lot of the time, you know, we feel really good about ourselves when we make these big plans and we have the big spreadsheets, whatever, because again, again, we're getting hits of dopamine as we're doing this anticipation of the reward will feel when we achieve the goal. But, you know, it's the planning we feel great, the execution not so great because the execution isn't realistic and consistent with actually how our brain is working. Yeah, and with an execution, I think the dopamine dopamine component it's not as not as prevalent. Totally, as the other is the other part. Mm-hmm. Doing the work, sitting down, creating the spreadsheet. I, I mean, I can't speak for anyone else, but I'll tell you from my experience, it it's not the most exciting part. I had to create elements of excitement within that, especially if it's tedious, mm-hmm. like doing the same task over and over again. And I found that over time, really. And the reason why I asked this question is because what ends up happening for me is that when I do miss that day, I fall back to the norm, but the baseline that I started with, not mm-hmm. necessarily the one I created for myself mm-hmm. 10 or 15 or 20 years ago, right. which then kind of reverses the pattern completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's understanding too, I think when we have those moments of falling back into the old you know, pathway, the old habit, mm-hmm. right? It's our brain is going to what is familiar. For our brain, familiar is safe. Our brain is always trying to feel safe. So whether it be you're traveling to a new country or you're starting a new habit, if it doesn't feel safe within your own body, whether it be of high stress at work, you got in a fight with a loved one, you didn't even get enough sleep last night, there's a good chance your brain is going to go back to what it feels safe doing, which is what is familiar. So if that maybe is the fact that you don't meditate at all and you go right to scrolling on social media, that might be what that looks like. So instead of beating yourself up and being like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed yesterday. I'm such an idiot. What happened? You know, inviting in that compassion, that curiosity. And I used to hate the word compassion because I thought the only way to motivate myself was through anger and punishment and frustration. And that actually doesn't lead to positive action. So bringing the compassion, bringing the understanding. Um, so the next time you can actually, you know, pivot differently. Oh, I'm more tired today. There's a good chance I'm not going to want to go to the gym later, or I'm not going to want mm-hmm. to make my meal or whatever. Having that awareness, having that understanding, having that compassion so that next time you can act differently. If you're just shaming yourself and beating yourself up for, you know, whatever happened, that's not actually going to create change. It's just going to create shame. And that's going to lead to more self-soothing behaviors because your brain doesn't want to be in shame. Mm. How can people connect with you and what do you have coming up that people can be a part of? Yeah. So 
connect with me mostly on Instagram. Um, I'm always there doing tutorials, mini trainings, everything. So if you're listening to this, come find me there. Um, that is at Victoria Evans official. Um, also my website, www.victoriaevansofficial.com. I have lots of resources, articles, eBooks, everything, lots of free stuff there. Um, and then I have a podcast called weighing in on happy where we weigh in on all the things that make you happy that don't include weight. Um, so we talk about a lot of things like feminism, empowerment, body image, you know, everything under the sun like that. So it's an awesome place. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.